the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The reason Paul wrote this letter called Corinthians, this should not surprise you. But the reason he wrote the letter that we're about to study is because there were Christians living in Corinth. They were attending the Christian church in Corinth, but they were not living as a Christian should live. There were people actually in the church. This is going to surprise surprise you. I don't know. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. There were Christians living in the church who claimed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they had actually even been baptized. But they were living immoral lives because the immorality of the culture had bled into the church. Welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. If you've been searching for a place to be spiritually fed, you've found it. Like you, we believe the Holy Bible contains the spiritual nourishment we need to become faithful servants to God and help grow His kingdom here on earth. This program is part of an outreach ministry from Shepherd Church. Our pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with his message for us tonight. How's everybody? How many of you know that when you walked into Shepherd, you walked into a blessed church? Amen. It's a blessed church. Today, we start a brand new series that will take us about three months. It's going to take us three months. It's a big book. But we're going to begin today a study through the book of 1 Corinthians. We've titled this message or this series, First Californians. Uh, because the situation in Corinth is a lot like our situation here in California. The city of Corinth was a famous city, which I'll explain to you why. It was a glamorous city, but it was an immoral city, just like Los Angeles. I want you to know that our city in which we live, Los Angeles, is a famous city. And you go anywhere in the world and tell people you're from Los Angeles or L.A. They know that. We live in a very glamorous city. But the city in which we live is also a very immoral city. It has an immoral culture to it. I want you to use your imagination for just a moment. You're a tourist and you're traveling around the world. And on your itinerary, you go to one of the greatest cities in the world. You check into your hotel, you, know, you put your bags in the, in the room there, and you decide uh, before you go to sleep that you're going to take a walk around the town. And so you begin, as you go up and down the streets, you realize that this is a very industrial city. It's on a harbor. It is multicultural. You see all different nationalities. 
multi-ethnic backgrounds of all the people. There is a booming economy. Uh, There are people from all walks of life. You see soldiers and politicians and sailors and businessmen and rich and the poor. At the end of one street, you look down, you see this gigantic stadium where they have all their sports. And you think, oh, this this is a city. They have their own sport teams and they, they really have a passion for sports in this town. And then you go down another street and you see up on a hill, you see this magnificent temple. And you ask your guide, what is, the, what is that structure up there on the hill? And they said, oh, that, that's a temple. People, we worship here in this. Really? Yeah, we worship. And that's a temple that was dedicated to one of our local gods. And then as you discover further, it's not just a religious city. It's a very, very immoral city because you discover that that building up on top of that hill, that beautiful structure, the temple, it houses a thousand prostitutes. And the religion in this particular city, their act of worship is to go to that temple up on the hill and to visit the male and the female prostitutes. And the entire city has been given over to impurity and to drunkenness and to prostitution and to debauchery. And you find out later, to your surprise, there's also a little group of Christians in this city. They actually have a church in the midst of this perverse city. It's a brand new church. It hasn't been going for very long. And they're struggling. They've got a lot of problems. And you find out that they're meeting on Sunday. And so you decide to go visit this church because you're a Christian. You go to the church on that particular Sunday. And while you're there in church during the service, a young boy walks in carrying a letter. And he interrupts the service and he says, hey, this letter just came from the great apostle Paul. And he wants us to read this letter to the entire congregation. The letter that you're about to read is the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth that lived in the midst of a very, very immoral culture. And I want you to know that that is the book that we're going uh, to be studying. Corinth really did exist. It's a city of wealth. It was the crossroads of the Roman Empire. It was a city that was beautiful. It was a resort city. And yet it was a city of prostitution and passion. I have a map I want to show you. All of the, the Roman empires, they sailed their ships from the east to the west. They came through Corinth. They had an option. They could sail around the entire southern end of Greece. Are you with me? They could go all the way around the southern end, but it was very dangerous down there. Weather was terrible, a lot of islands, and uh, a, a lot of ships were shipwrecked on the southern part of Greece. Or they could sail through that harbor, come to Corinth, and they literally had slaves that would take the boats and put them on log rollers, and the slaves would roll the boats across the logs, across the isthmus, over into the next body of water. And uh, back in the late 1800s, some people actually dug a little channel. Uh, Modern boats could not go through that, but that was only done in the 1800s. It's about four miles across the isthmus. Now, here's what would happen, all right? So you got the entire Roman world and all you know, all the the cargo and the commerce going through this city of Corinth, they would come 
and they would drop their boats off to the slaves. And the slaves would begin the process of rolling these boats on logs across that four-mile isthmus. And then the sailors would go into the city of Corinth. And it was just a big party. They had a slogan back in those days. And the slogan was, what happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. (laughs) That was the motto of that day. And the reason Paul wrote this letter called Corinthians, this should not surprise you, but the reason he wrote the letter that we're about to study is because there were Christians living in Corinth. They were attending the Christian church in Corinth, but they were not living as a Christian should live. There were people actually in the church. This is going to surprise my surprise you. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it will. Maybe it won't. There were Christians living in the church who claimed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they had actually even been baptized. But they were living immoral lives. Because the immorality of the culture had bled into the church. And so Paul writes him a letter to try to straighten everything up. Now, I just want to skim over, just skim just a few chapters to show you some of the problems. There's all kinds of problems in this church. If you go to, uh, just look at them briefly, uh, chapter 1, verse 10, they had all kinds of divisions strife, fighting, bickering. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no division among you, that you will be perfectly united in mind. And th- now, why would he write that? You, whenever you read something, you go, why did he write that? Well, you deduct, there must be all kinds of problems in that church. Go over to chapter 3, verse 3. Again, I'm just, we're just skimming it just a few, just to give you an idea. He says in verse 3, you are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? So a lot of jealousy, a lot of fighting, a lot of arguing, a lot of bitterness. I want you to go to chapter 4, verse 18. Some of you have become arrogant, all right? We just got through a series on the Beatitudes about being poor in spirit. He didn't see much of that in this church. I want you to go to chapter 5, verse 1. There's some very serious problems in this church. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and a kind that even does not even occur among the pagans. A man has his father's wife. There was a man sleeping with his father's wife. He said, even the pagans don't do that. That was in the church. This is in the church. I want you to go one more. We'll look at one more. Look at chapter 5, verse 11. This is just to give you a little a snippet of what the problems are. I'm writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother or a Christian, a Christian, but is sexually immoral, greedy, idolater, slanderer, a drunkard, a swindler, with such a man do not even eat. Now, we're going to go into this later, but all all I want you to know is that this church was filled with immoral people. And so Paul writes this letter called 1 Corinthians. 
but we're going to call it First Californians. And even though Paul wrote the letter to the church in Corinth, here's what I want you to understand as we go through this. I want you to pretend in your mind that Paul actually wrote this letter to us. Why? Because we battle the same things that they battled in Corinth. I love the fact that we're going to open up this letter and that we're going to study together and see the solution, the answer to all of these problems. You're going to be blessed. Now, I'll give you a little clue. He tells us right up front the answer to all of our problems is found in Jesus. Jesus is the answer to all of our problems. We're going to read the first nine verses, all right? We're going to read those together. And here's what you're going to see. In verse 1, you're going to find Jesus. Verse 2, you're going to find Jesus. Verse 3, you're going to find Jesus. Verse 4, you're going to find Jesus. Verse 5, you're going to find Jesus. Verse 6, you're going to find Jesus. Verse 7, you're going to find Jesus. Verse 8, you're going to find Jesus. Guess what you're going to find in verse 9? You're going to find Jesus. And so he wants you to understand that no matter what you're going through, whatever you're struggling with, whatever the sin is in your life, whatever you're battling today, the answer is Jesus. Now let's just read through it, all right? You're going to see it with your own eyeballs, okay? Now we're not going to be able to read the whole book. Uh, We have 11 messages through this, but the first one he's setting the stage, okay? Here's, Here's what you're going to learn. If you have your own Bible and a pen, I want you to underline every time you see Jesus, all right? Just in your own Bible. Just underline that thing. I mean, look at my Bible right here. Can you see that? The whole thing is all marked up. Amen. So Paul, verse 1, verse, verse word, what's the first word of the book? Paul. Everybody say Paul. He's the one who wrote this. Called to be an apostle of who? Christ Jesus. There's the first time we see it. Verse 1, we see Christ Jesus. By the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, verse 2. To the church of God in what city? Corinth. To those sanctified in who? Christ Jesus. There it is in verse 2. I thought he just mentioned that in verse 1. He did. Well, he mentions again, verse 2, Christ Jesus, called to be holy together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Verse 3. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Let me just mention him in verse 1. I know he's mentioned him again in verse 3. Look at verse 4. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. Verse 5, for in him. Who's him? That's Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. For in Jesus you have been enriched in every way in all your speaking and all your knowledge. Verse 6, because our testimony about Christ, oh, he mentions him again there in verse 6, was confirmed to you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Verse 8, he will keep you strong to the end so that you will be uh, blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 9, the last verse, God who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. I want to tell you three things about Jesus. Number one. He's a sanctifying Savior. If Jesus is the answer to all this sin and all this immorality, he's a sanctifying Savior. Verse 2, look at it again. To the church of God in Corinth. 
and with your hands, does Corinth have a few problems or a lot of problems? It's got a lot of problems. And yet he says to the church of God in Corinth, to those, all that trouble in that church, and yet he calls them sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy. They got all these problems, yet he calls them sanctified. Well, you need to understand what the word sanctified means. Write this down. The word sanctified means to be set apart. It means to be made holy. That God has called you. He has set you apart from the rest of this world. He has called you to be holy. There are three stages of Christianity. Stage number one is salvation, the moment that you're saved. Stage number three is the glorification of your body. But there's a, there's a stage in between. I want you to write this down. Stage two is sanctification. And sanctification begins, watch this, it begins the day of your salvation and the entire period of your life on this earth as a Christian up until your glorification is the period what we call the sanctification period. The process of which God makes you holy day by day, moment by moment, God leading you to holiness, leading you to sanctification. It's very e- There's an easy test to see, to, to, to measure. And all you have to do is look back one year. Where were you a year ago spiritually, and where are you today? And every single person in this church, if you're a Christian, you should be more like Christ today than you were a year ago. And as you look forward, where will you be a year from today? As you look back, you could say, I'm more like Christ today than I was a year ago. In the same way, a year from now, you should be more like Christ then than you are today. Well, how did that happen? It happened through that sanctification process where Jesus was knocking all the rough edges in your life and he was transforming you. And what you need to understand and what Paul is, what I, what I learned from this is that all three of these stages, there is no salvation, there is no sanctification, there is no no glorification apart from Jesus Christ. You can't do any of that. You can't save yourself, you can't get your glorified body by yourself, and you also can't sanctify yourself. Only Jesus can do all three of those. That's what I learned in here. There were two mothers talking about their sons. And one mother said, oh, my boy, he is struggling. He's been out drinking and uh, been chasing girls. He's not doing good. And the other mother said, well, my son, he's not had a drink in eight years. He's not chased girls for eight years. The woman said, well, you must be proud of your son. And she said, I am. And uh, next week when he's paroled, (laughs) we're going to have a big celebration. (laughs) True holiness comes not from what you do. 
It comes from what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. He took all of your sins. He bore your sins. So that today when the Lord looks at you, today, now I know we all know the real us. I know the real me. You know the real you. And so we kind of see ourselves as sinners. But when the Lord looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees the blood of Jesus Christ. He has justified you, which means at the moment you were saved, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, positionally, you are saved at that very moment. But not only does he uh, justify you by what he did on the cross, he sanctifies you this very moment because Jesus lives inside of you this very moment. And as you understand the fact that Jesus is inside of you, what is he doing? And what is the Holy Spirit doing in there? He's leading you to become more like Jesus. Moment by moment, day by day. You can look back and see where you were a year ago and see how he's worked. And you'll know in the future he's going to do the same. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9 says, Do you not know, in other words, you should know this, that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God. I don't care what's going on politically in our world that makes sin okay. It's still sin. And it's sin before God, no matter what we call it. God calls certain things sin. And he says, do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor the adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, verse 10, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the slanderers, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. They're not getting in. But then we come to verse 11, praise God. He says, and that is what some of you were. Past tense. Understand that the church in Corinth was made up of people that had lived all of those types of lives. But something happened to them. The Bible says that they were washed and they were sanctified. I find it very interesting that that he puts the word sanctified before the word justified. You are sanctified and you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Again, on the cross is where you are justified. He dies, he bears your sins, but then he puts the Spirit of God inside of you to lead you to holiness. And when you understand that Jesus died for you on the cross and you understand that the Holy Spirit of God is inside of you, There's something about that that just makes you want to live a holy life and to be more like Jesus Christ. If you were blessed by Pastor Dudley's message and would like to pray with someone, our phone lines are available now and ready for your call. Our number is easy to remember. Call us right now at 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. Our Lift Up Jesus phone counselors are ready for any prayer needs you may have at this time. If you would like more information about Pastor Dudley Rutherford, Shepherd Church, or this ministry, be sure to visit our website, liftupjesus.com. 
the secret to overcoming any obstacle you are facing today is revealed through one of the most extraordinary victories ever recorded in the Bible, the Battle of Jericho. Joshua and the Israelites followed God's unusual plan to walk around the heavily fortified walls of Jericho for seven days. The Lord promised that at the end of those seven days, he would cause the walls of that famed city to fall, allowing his people to take possession of the promised land. In his book, Walls Fall Down, Pastor Dudley Rutherford shows us how the seven spiritual principles in this story are available for all of us today. You will learn how the foundation behind Joshua's victory is the key to overcoming your own hurdles and unsolvable issues. When you choose to do things God's way, walls crumble, victory replaces defeat, and a blessed future unfolds. Pastor Dudley's book, Walls Fall Down, is available for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This invaluable resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. Discover how your personal Jericho battle is no match for the power of an awesome God. Call us right now and receive your copy of Walls Fall Down by Pastor Dudley Rutherford today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us again tomorrow night at the same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.